Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I love uh, National Anthem. I love standing for it. I love putting my hand over my heart. And in case you're new to New Beginnings, just know uh, I will battle anyone to the death over this country, and I'll tell you it's the best country in the world, and don't tell me it's a bad country. I go, when you think this country's bad, you've been a native too long, my friend. You need to be an immigrant again and come in through with new eyes again and see how great and the opportunities are here in America. Amen? You know what? I may just can this message and just tell you what I think about them. But, uh, you know, my dad got to come here in 1916 as a year and a half old or something like that. And my mom was born here. And, you know, they, uh, my dad, he used to run picking crews, oranges. How many Southern California people knew that? And uh, my mom used to pack oranges at the old packing house here in Corona. Anybody remember that? And my mom, because America's a land of opportunity at age 52, she decided she wanted to do what she always wanted to do. She started a business, changed the course of our family's future. She was very successful. She pushed us in success like that. I watched that. I watched a person start a business. In a sense, when I started this out of my house, this whole thing, that was like starting a business too in one sense. And so I appreciate all that and I appreciate that America gives you that so we I'm a, I'm a Mexican and Spaniard descent and so when people talk about this privilege thing which I think is a bunch of baloney um, I always tell people I guess I'm Mexican privileged then just to give it to them you know you know just to, because anybody can be what they need and want to be in this country if they work hard enough and the Bible teaches me to work very hard and not go around looking for handouts I'm out of here I'll see you later and whoever, and I've always wanted to say this last year, is whoever gave me this shirt a year ago, I really love it. It starts all the stars, the colors of America. Thank you. You never put a card on it, so I just say thank you for that because it actually fits me, and praise the Lord on that. And that's a big deal right there. So Colossians 1, 13, 14, I want to go back to that verse I've been looking at real quick, that opening verse. Would you read it with me, and then I'll get into the message. One, two, three. For he, the main of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins okay so really quick we've been transferred from the power of darkness to the kingdom of God amen Amen. now it means the the domain is, is like power but kingdom is like royal power and so when we've been transferred the transfer process it says we were redeemed and the word redeemed is a great word When Paul uses that word, it has much meaning, but let me nutshell it for you. It means that you and I, we were purchased. We were purchased from slavery of sin. We were taken out of that market of sin, and we were set free forever to walk in the kingdom of God. And the price paid for our freedom was the life and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And I think that's really fitting on a correlation perspective in that we sit here today free, able to worship God because of many who lived in the past who gave their life as a ransom for our freedom. Amen to that one right there? And so we are very blessed, blessed people at this time in our lifetime to live in the country we live in, but that we know Jesus Christ as Savior. And we've been set free. How many of you know or ever think about where your life would be if you had never met Jesus Christ, where it would have gone to, how would it would have eroded. Anyone ever think like that? Everyone, raise your hand if you ever think like that. That means that you probably more than likely, you come into church and you're very thankful for everything that you are and everything that you have. Amen to that one right there? Because if you forget those things, you'll lose your thanksgiving in your life and you'll start to complain about everything around you and why isn't it this way or that way or why ain't they doing that for me? No, we need to be thankful people. Now, with that said, would you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 29? Open your Bibles to Acts 29 or swipe right to Acts 29. You look confused. What's the problem? Uh, uh, there, There is no Acts 29? 
It goes to what then? Where does it go to? What really? Are you sure? Okay, your Bible, okay, we can compare Bibles later. No, it only, it only goes to 28. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it goes further than chapter 28. And I'm going to explain that as I go along. I did that on purpose. In the movie Brayheart, because you guys know I'm a what? God bless you. In the movie Braveheart, which I love, because I love those types of stories. And I, I, I confess, I never got to see it on the big screen. I saw it on TV later on. But that end of that movie, where William Wallace, a true historical figure, when he's laying there, and I know they take their privileges in Hollywood, but it was so cool. He's laying there and he's being tortured. And they want him to renounce this whole thing because he has led the Scotland in revolt against England. And uh, once he was captured, they're torturing him. Remember the scene? Anyone remember that scene? Please tell me you remember the scene. And as they torture him, finally there comes that moment where they said the prisoner would like to make a statement. And you think that he's going to renounce. He's going to say, I was wrong or whatever. And he utters those words, he goes, and he yells it out, freedom! And his hand rolls out, and that cloth, his marriage cloth is to his wife, rolls off his hand. And you remember the men that followed him in the audience there were so shaken by that. And you think the movie's over. And if you've not seen it, I gave you like 30 years, guys. <laughs> and then it flashes to the actual ending of the movie. And you find the Scottish army on one side, you find the English army on the other side, they're going to go to war again. And Robert the Bruce, who's been dying to get in battle, but his, his father would never let him. But his father's now probably gone. And they're going to, you assume they're going to march out to the middle with the leaders of England. They're going to dialogue a bit. And Robert the Bruce will receive more land and more title, and everybody goes home. But that's not what happens, huh? Because Robert the Bruce... At the very end of the movie, as they're all sitting there, all this, the army of the Scottish, they expect that to happen. Robert the Bruce looks around and he says, you bled with Wallace, now bleed with me. And they rise up and they charge to keep fighting and we know they finally won their independence. They battled away and they got that. And I, I, I love that part of the movie. Because, here's why. Because... William Wallace, he began the adventure, did he not? But now comes Robert the Bruce, and he's going to continue what William Wallace began. And that's what I want to talk about today. This is the last chapter of Acts that we're going. We have spent a year, we broke it up into four sevens, and we end today in this particular book. And I want to show you something, because this is very important to remember. That's why I took you to... Acts 29, all right? That's why I tricked you on that one. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, way back, a year ago, we read that verse. Read it with me, and it says, this is, by the way, this is Dr. Luke writing, and he's writing Acts to a man by the name of Theophilus. This is the second part of the first letter that Dr. Luke wrote, and the first letter is Luke, right? And it's a two-parter, Acts is the second part. Read it with me, one, two, three. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, the key word, in my opinion, is began. Jesus began this stuff, and that's what he did when he set things in motion. Now, I want to show you something. Last verse in the book of Acts, 2831, it says this. Read it with me, one, two, three. Preaching the kingdom, come on, everybody, of God, and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered now no leave it up there for a second notice this is not a formal ending is it if you know your New Testament you know that these letters end with formal closings they, they write them a certain way but here you find it's open ended there is no formal end there is nothing like that but what you have at the very beginning is Jesus began this at the end you have, it's open-ended. What does that mean? It means that Jesus began this whole thing a couple thousand years ago, and for a couple thousand years, we have had many people carry it on and continue it, carry it on and continue 
Christianity, and here we sit now, and we are the next chapter. We are the people on the next lap. We hold the baton to continue what Jesus already began, and that's why I say that the, the book doesn't end at chapter 28. It goes on and on and on, and you and I are the ones, at least we're supposed to, if we take up the challenge, if we sit there and get some passion in our life for this gospel and for Jesus, we'll carry this thing on. But if we're just gonna be pushed back by the culture and shut up, then there'll be no carrying on. There'll be no Acts 29, at least not in individual lives. We're called to carry this thing, and we're called to do that. So here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna do a little bit of commentary in Acts 28. And then I'm going to give you three points. And what I'm going to do in the points is I'm going to give you what to expect. If you choose to be passionate about the gospel, if you choose to be a person that takes a baton, carries it on, I'm going to show you what to expect. Because if you don't know what to expect and you walk with an idealistic, everything's going to be cool and dandy mindset of spreading the gospel, you will be distracted and you will be pushed aside and you might even quit doing it but you got to know it's going to be rough at times. There's going to be opposition. They will distract you. But I want you to see through the life of Paul these things that will come at you and how he kept plowing forward. He kept going in his life. He continued it. And at the very end of this message, I'm going to drive that thing home and show you some of the last words that he wrote, some of the last things that he said, because they're important. Because this guy probably was the greatest apostle in the history of the Christian church. Amen? So here we go. Acts chapter 28. Are you guys ready? If you're ready, say amen. amen. Okay, good. I think we are ready this morning. Acts 28, verse 1 and 2 says this. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. Say Malta. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. Now, we know, if you've been studying with us, we know Paul has come to the storm through someone else's choosing, but he's in their storm there on the Mediterranean. They have crash landed on the island of Malta they have made it, 276 of them. We know the number from the previous chapter, 27 verse uh, 37. We know that, that they have landed here and they are tired and they are cold. They run into natives. Now natives, it literally means foreign tongue. It's a Hellenized Greek-speaking world through Alexander the Great. But these people do not speak Greek. They're not Hellenized. Malta's on the southern side. Uh, here's Sicily, the island. Then here's Malta, a little island here. So they don't speak it. They're natives. They're foreign tongue. That's what these Greek speakers would call barbarians. Because barbarians, they, everything outside of Greek to them sounded like their people are saying, barbar, barbar, barbar. So that's how you get barbarians. And so they're not the people that are uh, basically would be on their side here, but they land there and the natives begin to show them great kindness. How many know that you don't judge a book by its cover? Amen to that one right there? And they're showing them all kinds of kindness right here. And now as they're on this island, there are certain things that are gonna happen in life. And now they'll be on this island for three months. So it's gonna be kind of a, a place that Malta means refuge. It'll be a refuge for them for three months. Three things I want to show you. What to expect if you're going to be passionate, if you're going to carry this gospel, if you're going to stand up for what you believe, you better know this is what's going to come at you. Amen to that one? Here we go. Number one, on the mission, expect to get bit by Satan. Anyone ever get bit by Satan? Yes. Okay, now watch verse three through five. Watch this. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, he's on the island, and laid them on the fire, because remember, the natives have kindled fires for these wet guys, a viper came out because of the heat and fasted it on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off 
in the fire and suffered no harm. Now, let me give you the what. Then I'm going to give you the application of the what, okay? Paul lands on the island. The natives kindle the fires. Paul is wet like the other guys are. He's tired like the other guys are. He's hungry like the other guys are. He's the one who has saved them from all this by stating, here's what you do. Don't go this, but do this. You have to crash land. Paul gets to the island. And like everybody else, he's, he's exhausted. But what does he do? When he sees a native gathering sticks, he gets up and what does he do? He goes and gathers more sticks to put on the fire. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? He could have sat back and said, I've done my job. In fact, I brought you guys to the fire. In fact, I'm going to kick back now because that's not my thing to do right there. He's the guy that saved them. This is the Apostle Paul. He is tired, but he gets up and he goes gather six. Why does he do that? Because Christianity in its essence is you are a servant of others. Any amens? If you miss that beginning when Jesus said the greatest among you shall be the servant, then you will be the most frustrated, angry, individual Christian around because you'll always feel like you're being taken advantage of. Listen, if you want to live like a servant after a while, somebody's going to treat you like a slave. Has anyone found that to be true? And you got to watch your attitude because you must maintain your servant perspective because that's what Jesus was. Everybody said amen to that, right? Now, let, let me, now, I'm going to take you a little further than this. Now, he gathers the sticks. He doesn't know there's a snake in the sticks he's gathered. And he's tired and wet. He gets near the fire. And as he gets near the heat, the viper, the snake in the sticks, what does the viper feel? He feels heat. And once he feels heat, what does he do? Latches on to Paul, does he not? Now, the viper feels heat and latches on. Now, think about this, because I thought, that's just an amazing thing, isn't it? Heat. The snake feels heat, latches on. When you are passionate, when we're on fire for God, when we're carrying this gospel, when we're serving the kingdom of God, and we're part of a local church that is doing something, just know that the serpent, the demons all around us, they feel the heat, do they not? Because it's emanating from you. There's a passion in you. And the serpents don't like that. The devil doesn't like that. And he's gonna come out, gonna do something about it, at least attempt to do something about that. And because he senses the heat in your life, because you're getting on fire now, and you better not be on fire, then he's gonna come and he's gonna latch on. He's gonna come and he's gonna bite in your life. Now, what does that mean? Let me just quickly say this. Do not think that I'm saying that a Christian can be demon-possessed. No, you can't. If you're born again Christian, the Spirit of God is in you. You cannot be demon-possessed. Amen to that one? Now, but Satan can latch on. What do you mean by that, Jim? You can be oppressed. Paul would say, New Testament in Ephesians says, do not give the devil an opportunity. Opportunity means Greek word topos, topography, an area of a bigger picture, the topography maps. Don't give them a part of your life. Don't let them leech on. Think of it like a leech. Don't let them leech on. Don't let them do that. What does Paul do when the enemy leeches on? What does he do, guys? I read it to you. What does he do? He just shakes it off, man. Shakes it off. He got bitten. He just shakes it off. And that's what we need to do, right? We'll get to that in a second. But you got shaking up. Oh, the devil's attacking me. Shut up, okay? He's attacking everybody who's got any passion in their life. Any amens of that one right there? Question. So here comes the application. What does the devil not want you and I to do? It's really simple, guys. Share the gospel. Don't share that gospel. And the culture has caused us to shut up. Almost to make us feel like we're the wrong ones. The culture has taken God out of everything. Jesus out of everything. And you keep that to yourself. But here we come with the gospel. And we're called to share this thing. The one thing we're supposed to do. Now look, some of you are not extroverts like me. Some of you are though. Some of you are introverts. It's not as easy for you. I get it. That's not a problem. You're not going to be as vocal as maybe an extrovert but you can strike up conversations. 
And when somebody makes statements to you that you know are incorrect, just simply ask them a simple question. What do you mean by that? Let them explain what they mean. And then just start to give little answers or questions. Jesus, you know that only twice that I can see in the Gospels did he ever really bring up salvation with anybody? And that was with Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. Everybody else, when they came and confronted him and they asked him questions, guess what he did? He asked the question right back. And that's what he did. And he made them think. See, you just got to get people to think. Make them think. Why do they stand on where they stand with no evidence for what they stand on? And then give them the, the little statements you make and then let the, let the word of God and the spirit of God just rattle inside of them. Does that sound a lot easier, anybody? Just do stuff like that. Don't make it so hard on yourself. Now, we're supposed to be spreading this gospel. Now, then Paul gets bit. What do the natives assume? What do they assume? He's gonna die because evidently they must have seen this particular kind of snake bite people. The people swell up and die. So they figured the snake is poisonous, correct? But Paul just shakes it off and then he doesn't die. We'll get to that in point two more. Now, there's two things I wanna bring out and I wanna go through Ephesians chapter six in a second. You're still in point one. There's two things to expect on when you're on mission, when you're passionate for God. Expect that Satan is going to attack and bite you, right? You get passionate for God. You start getting out of the church. You start becoming part of a fellowship of believers. Oh, Satan loves people not to be in a fellowship. He loves it. Because all through scripture you find out those type of people get picked off. He loves it. But here's, here's the thing, guys. You'll get attacked when you're passionate. Satan will attack you. Satan will attack your marriage. He will attack your family. He will attack you and your attitude at the job or the job or your business. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? To distract you. To distract you. To distract me. I have been so attacked in the 31 years of this church I've been personally attacked I've been lied about so many times my marriage was attacked my family's been attacked the church has been attacked I mean I and you're no different than me when you're passionate and Satan is latched on he's attached and you gotta know how to shake him off you gotta be able to shake him off because it's all designed to distract you. He can't take away your salvation, but he can distract you from mission. He can get you off mission. He can get you to jump in that boat, Jonah, and go the opposite way of where God wants you to go. He can get you off mission. And that's what you gotta remember. Now, how do you shake him off? What do you do? I wanna, I wanna show you something. And I can't go into great detail because it's Sunday morning, and the AV team will start having a heart attack over there and they'll start screaming in the kids area so I'm just being honest with you okay because you know we have to have time limits and you want to go meet so and so at you know by 11.45 no I'm just joking now turn to Ephesians chapter 6 thank you for that laugh you got that over there okay good Ephesians 6 now watch this watch Ephesians 6 how, how do you shake them off Is it just me or are you guys sweating too? Hey, I'm really working on it. Can you check the back air conditioner there? See, they're down to about 70, not 63, okay? Because then I'll be all icicles and stuff like that. Now, Ephesians 6, now watch this. And I hope you have your Bible. I hope you see it. Now watch what Paul says. He says in verse 10, I'm gonna read 10 through 18, and I'm gonna quickly, quickly jump to it. Here's how you shake off the enemy. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Whose might are you fighting with? Whose power? Louder? God's power. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, whose armor are you putting on? God's. Now, the word schemes, the devil has schemes. The word schemes means methodologies. Have you noticed that the devil uses the same methodologies against you? Has anyone noticed that yet? If they work, they work, right? But the more spiritually sensitive you become, you can read the schemes as they come at you. 
Verse 12. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Go like this. Everybody, come on, do that. Come on, help me out here. That's flesh and blood. Look around. Those are flesh and blood. Your neighbors are flesh and blood. The family member you can't stand, don't want them coming over July 4th, flesh and blood, okay? That's flesh and blood. Ex-husband or wife, flesh and blood, okay? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a real battle that is raging in the invisible realm. Amen? This is not the battle. Oh, you may have some battles with your flesh, but this is not the main. It's a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual behind the physical. Are you following me? Okay. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. There it is again. So that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. I want to say two things. When, what is the evil day? The evil day is when Satan says, I'm going to pull out all the stops. I'm going to come at you with everything, including the kitchen sink. Have you ever been there? Raise your hand. I want to know if you've ever been there. When he says, today, we're going at you now, man. This is it. I'm going to pull it out. Now, and he says there that we're able to do everything to stand firm. What does that mean? It means I don't fight as a Christian. I don't fight for victory. I fight from victory. Did you catch that? I don't fight for victory. I've already won. I've already been delivered. I've already been set free. Jesus already, you know, Satan is like, said he prowls around like a roaring lion. At Calvary, the cross, Jesus already pulled out all his teeth. He can numb you, but he can't bite you. Any amens? So I fight from victory. I'm already victorious. Never forget that. Verse 14, here it comes. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Oh, I got to put truth on me. So I need the truth of God's word. I need to get it in me. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, I need to know that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, I'm sinless, perfection, innocent of all sin. Any amens? Anybody happy about that one right there? Yeah, get that one down, friend. Verse 15. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, peace. Now, the Roman soldiers, when they would march, and their, their shoes had little cleats on the bottom. Why would you need cleats on the bottom of your shoes? So when you're battling and fighting, you're not slipping and sliding amen and so why peace because some of us slip and slide everywhere we have peace lose peace don't have peace I found peace peace gone you're slipping and sliding you should never slip and slide out of peace any amens of that one no matter what you're going and by the way how do you know you have peace unless you're in a crisis situation and you still maintain peace anybody can have peace in a peaceful situation people I have peace are you going through anything not really well yeah I get you yeah you don't want to slip and slide around like that now Verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. Now, I have, yeah, it's what I believe. I got a shield. It's what I believe. It's what I hold to be true from the word of God, which, uh, with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So when the devil throws a lie at you, pow, devil, throws a, pow, devil throws a lie, pow, somebody throws a lie, pow, and you have the shield of faith because no, you're not going to change what I believe about what God says. Any amens on that one right there? That's how you stand firm. That's how you stand firm. Now, Watch verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Oh, the helmet of salvation. Yeah, settle it. You're born again. You are saved. Never let the devil or anyone tell you otherwise in your head. You're saved. Say one, two, three, I'm saved. One, two, three. Right, right. Okay, that's it. That's it. Now, take the helmet of salvation and the sword. I like that. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That sword is the Word of God. Oh, now here's what's interesting. The word, word there in verse 17 is the Greek word rhema. It's not the written word. It's the spoken word. You have to get the truth in you, verse 14, gird your loins of truth, to the point that you can spit that word of God against the schemes of the enemy, against the lies of others. You can just speak it and speak it like Jesus spoke it in the desert against the devil. Amen? It is written. You got it? You got it. Man, that's why you got to study the word of God for the rest of your life. Now, Lastly, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I pray in the Spirit regularly. I'm baptized in Holy Spirit power. I've shared with that many times before. I pray in tongues every day. 
That's an additive to my spiritual life. It makes me stronger. Amen to that one? Because I, I fight from victory. I don't fight for victory, but I use all the weapons that God has given me in the spiritual arsenal. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, I'll see you later. No, I'm not done here. So that's how you shake it off, man. When you're doing all that, you shake it off because he wants to distract. Now, let's go point to, oh my gosh, look at the time. I'm going to finish. Even if I have to hurry. Now, point two, to get bid by others. The second expectation, you better know you're going to get bid by other people. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Verse four through six. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, so it's that strong, they began saying to one another, undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, justice is not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off. Say, shake it off. I like that. Into the fire. And he shakes him off in the fire. Oh my gosh, it's our passion that can fight this thing guy? Oh, yeah. And suffered no harm. Verse six. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they're watching Paul waiting for him to die. And he didn't. And they changed their minds and began to say that he was a God. <laughs> Here's the what. Oh, he's gonna die. Surely is a murderer because, you know, we know that snake and it's venomous and we've watched other people die. That means he must have murdered somebody because he's going to die. So, um, and then he shakes it off and he doesn't die. And then what do they change their tune to? Oh, he's a God. <laughs> you're going to die. You're a murderer. Oh, you're a God. I'm going to say three things not in your notes. Can I say that real quick? Now, the first thing is people are fickle. Yes or no? You're going to run into about three to seven of them in your lifetime. Just understand they're very immature people. Just know that. And if you're one of them, can you grow up this morning? Because you're kind of in a grown-up body. This is, it's, they're fickle. And the reason they're fickle is because they love you as long as you do what you want, they want you to do. Correct? And then the moment you don't, guess what? And then they don't like you anymore. Just, and they'll turn on a dime. Has anyone ever experienced this besides me? They'll turn on a dime on you. Only eight of us? Do you talk to humans at all? <laughs> Those of you who are in positions of leadership in your life, you know how quick people can turn on you, right? They'll turn fast on you, man, fast. And those of you who have moved your way up to the ranks of a company, do you remember when you were buddy-buddy with everybody here? Then they put you here, and now you're over them. Anyone remember that? All of a sudden, boy, they can turn on. Who do you think you are, right? There's a lot of this fickleness out there. People turn on you fast, fast. The second thing I want to say is they go, oh, he's, he's a murderer. Oh, he's a god. I mean, whoop, he's a murderer. Oh, he's a god. That's called superstition. He's a murderer. He's going to die because he murdered somebody. Oh, he's a god because he didn't die. Superstition. Stay away from superstition, okay? Yes or no? Yes. I pull into my driveway yesterday. And I'm running around looking for stuff and pulling my driveway. And I looked at my odometer in my garage. I'm about to turn it off. And my odometer says this. I'm not exaggerating. The mileage was on my truck. It's 66666. <laughs> 66666. Now, question What does that mean? I'll answer absolutely nothing. It means nothing. Don't go, oh, maybe Satan's in the truck. <laughs> no, it means nothing. I didn't say, go, oh, I'm going to put it in reverse. I got to drive around the block. I got to change six. You know, I got to change it right now. We no, it means nothing because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You start listening to superstition, you're going to live in fear and someone's going to manipulate you, okay? You live by the word of God, period. Amen. Say amen, everybody. Now, let me give you a third idea, not in your notes, and that is this. Am I talking fast? It's because I'm looking at the clock, okay? Now, bad things happen to decent people. Do they not? It's a fallen world. One day, Jesus, write it down, Luke 13, 1 through 5, chapter 13 of Luke 1 through 5. Jesus is talking about something that happened in the past of Jewish lives. They said this tower had fallen on people and it killed people. And Jesus asked the question, he says, do you think the people that the tower fell on and they were killed by it, do you think they were worse sinners than everyone else? And the rhetorical answer is no. In other words, everyone's a sinner and everyone needs to repent. You follow me? 
He's just telling us bad things happen to decent people because we live in a fallen world. Amen? So don't try to read stuff into things and all oh, that happened to them because you know. Okay, like you know that? Okay. Now, so here's the application. Here's a quick application. I got to get back to the application. You'll get bit by others as you're trying to be passionate and spread this gospel. They say in the, oh, he got bit by that snake. He's a murderer. That's why he got bit, he's going to die. He's a murderer. Question, is Paul a murderer? Yes, he yes. I tricked you, huh? I don't even fish, but I lured you in on that one right there. He's a murderer. He has. He's murdered people in the past. Yeah, he is. Now, I want you to think about that. When at last time Paul could have said, well, I haven't murdered, I haven't murdered people. You know, here's what people, here's what happened. Here's how the enemy will distract you through others and Satan will manipulate others. First off, he'll get in your head and say, oh, remember what you were like? Remember what you did? And let me tell you something about Satan. He will never say to you and me in our heads, remember what you did, Jim? Doesn't do it that way. He's first person temptation. He'll say, I remember what I did. He'll make me think, I'm thinking it. Did you catch what I meant by that? He'll always say, I remember when I did this. He'll pop it that way. He won't say, remember what you did. Because if it's always what you did, if I heard it that way, I'd say, well, somebody's attacking me. But he's so sly. But that's not the only way he attacks other people. People will come up to you when you and I are passionate for God and we're probably serving in the church and we're really making headway in the kingdom of God. He will come in and say, who do you think you are? Remember what you did four years ago? Remember what your life was like seven years ago before you came to Christ? You can't serve. Don't you dare sign up for something. Don't you do... No, don't be sharing the gospel. Especially with those people right there that know what you were really like. Anyone ever struggle with that? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Paul himself, who is a murderer and was accused of being a murderer, you know what he would write later on? He says, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. The old things have passed away. And the word new, the Greek word, literally means new in quality, something that has never existed before. So when I look at you as born again and look at me as born again, you are something that has never existed before. You're brand new in quality. All the old things have passed away. Everything. Everything. So when the enemy reminds you of the past, all you do is remind him of his future. Simple? Simple? And you continue on the mission. You just shake him off. Now, number three. Expect to finish your lap of the mission. You got to finish. You're alive. You're breathing. Expect to finish the lap of your mission. Verse 15, 16. Let's jump ahead. It says, And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Apias in three ends to meet us and when Paul saw them he thanked God and took courage verse 16 when we entered Rome Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him now now we find that Paul has made it to where he needs to get to and that is where Rome we know now from the book the whole book that in Acts 9 when he first becomes a Christian and Jesus appears to him he's told by Ananias that you must witness to kings here he is in Rome Caesar's like a king we know in Acts 23 around verse 11 that he was told by Jesus you got to get to Rome because you got to minister to witness to Caesar we know when he's on the ship and everything's tossing and turning we know an angel appeared to him and said you're going to get to Rome and you're going to witness in Rome you're going to share with Caesar you're going to do this and now here he is. Here he is. Now, anyone love the Olympics besides me? Come on, Americans. Do you love the Olympics? July, July 4th weekend. You know? So here's a good. I love winter. I used to not like winter when I was younger, but I really like it a lot now. I like women's figure skating because they're so graceful, you know. And they're kind of cute. But anyway. And I like that big old 
half pipe thing where the snowboarders come in and out. That's like, oh, remember the flying tomato guy? Remember him? Oh my gosh, I, I would never do that. And I love the guys when they jump in the big, and they're flying through the air and stuff like that. I think that's so, so cool. And now, I never liked this before, but I like it now. What's that called? Curling. I think it takes, I think you have to be a tremendous athlete to do something like that. No, but I really like curling. I think, I could do that. Probably not, but, but then I like the Summer Olympics a lot, too. I like, oh, I love swimming. Oh, I love swimming so much. And, and then I like the sprints. Ah. Oh. And when you do the four by 100 meters of mer- and or the four by the, the mile, and I'm, 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 please America, please America. And my prayer is, don't drop the baton. Please, the Jamaicans are right there. Don't drop the baton. Jamaicans are fast. And they're running, and then that moment comes every so often. You don't want them to drop it or you don't want them to have a bad handoff and the guy's like this trying to get, and they cross that line and they're disqualified. Oh, I hate that. America, I'm just praying for America. Americans, please. I want to make a good handoff. Let me drive the whole book home now. Paul made a good handoff. Didn't he? Jesus began it. He's continued it. We have had millions of people since then to now who have continued it. Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, whoever that is, would write, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, run the race with endurance. You look at the past and all these great Christians that have taken the baton and made a handoff, made a hand, and they've passionately went for this thing. And that's the witnesses that we look back to, and we've got the baton now, and we run the race with endurance. It is believed that Paul was released because they couldn't find evidence. Remember, we saw the trials and no evidence. But then it's believed that he was rearrested and imprisoned in Rome. There's a lot to say, but I gotta nutshell it here because there's so much study you could do on this. Um, he's thrown in a prison called Mamertine. I'd like to go visit it one day over in Italy, Rome area. And um, it's a dungeon. It's like a two-parter from the way I understand. I've never been there yet. Here's a top part. They put you in. There's a bottom part. Most people never survived it. From what I remember, I think uh, traditionally, uh, Peter led like 50-some people to the Lord down there, and he didn't die. Usually he died from all the disease and the feces and everything else and the rats and stuff like that. Paul's down in there. It's where he'll spend the last hours, days, weeks, and who long, long of his life. He's near the end. And he writes to Timothy. Timothy's his protege. The New Testament letters of Timothy written to Timothy. And he's writing to Timothy, but he's not just writing to Timothy. He's writing to you and me because he's, he's going to die and he knows it. He's near the end. He's the baton. He's handing it off. And in his writing, if you ever read these letters, you find he's filled with passion. He's in a prison, a dungeon. There's no self-pity. No poor me. This is not what I signed up for. Why am I this happening to me? There's no quit in the guy at all. And he knows he's going to be executed. He knows they're going to kill him. And you know what he writes? Let me give you a couple funny things, or interesting things, not funny. He writes, first he says to Timothy, would you bring my cloak? Isn't it something that when it's all said and done and everything's stripped away, it's the little simple things of life that you appreciate most. Isn't it? It's not all the fancy, expensive things. It's the simple things that you appreciate. He wanted, bring my cloak. But he would soon trade that cloak in for the heavenly robe of righteousness. Will he not? But he also says, bring the parchments, bring my books. He's an old man. And he's near the end. But he's still a student of the scriptures. Is that awesome or What? That's a lesson for all of us. Get in the scriptures and study them for the rest of your life till the day you go meet Jesus face to face. Real quick, in the dungeon, he writes to Timothy and he writes to you and me and he says things like this. Be strong in grace. In other words, you have been given favor, give unconditional favor to others. Be faithful to entrust 
You should be such a strong baton carrier that you're entrusting others to come alongside you in ministry and show them the way, especially us seasoned older Christians. Your job is never done. You are training the younger generation. He says, be brave like a soldier. You Man, you have to be with the opposition you face. Be a hard worker like a farmer. In other words, a lot of our ministry is planting and watering and planting. We don't always get to see the growth of it, do we? But just keep working hard at it. Be gentle as a servant. Ah, you have to be gentle, meek, humble like a servant. Otherwise, you'll throw in the towel. You'll quit. He says, be disciplined. Oh, I'm sorry, I jumped way to the end. Let me go back over that. Let me go back to the top. Be disciplined like an athlete. Mm, that takes a lot of discipline. There's so many times it's so, much, so easy to go through life and say, I don't need to read the Bible for a while. I don't need to pray. I don't need to serve. Sorry, that's not the way athletes win. They're always disciplined. They're doing these same things and they're disciplined to win in the event of life. It says, be diligent like a workman. A good worker is very diligent. A good worker for you bosses, you never have to worry that they're not working. Am I right? They're just diligent, man. Why does somebody have to look over your shoulder at work, at church, at anywhere to make sure you're doing what you should be doing? And be gentle as a servant. Jesus was a servant. He was a servant. And we're called to be servants. You know something about a servant? There's no job too low. There's no job beneath you. The moment people complain about something beneath them, you know, that's not a servant. That's a hireling. It's a hireling. They just send it for the money, the position. I want to finish with something. I want you to hear me. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. This is the last thing, and then I'm going to tell you to split as fast as you can. He says this to Timothy. You, it's Timothy, you and us, all of us, you watching home. However, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. He says, continue the things you've learned and you've become convinced of. Let me explain it. He's saying, listen, and he's dying. Remember, he's going to be there killed. He's in a dungeon. This is it. He says, Christians, <clears throat> don't be a Christian who just has beliefs. Be a Christian that has convictions. You are convinced. What's a conviction in your life? From the scriptures, they're non-negotiables. They're things you build as pillars of your life. These are things that you will die for. These are things that are so entrenched in you. You have made the word of God your own. You're convinced of this stuff. I guarantee in that dungeon, he could care less about Christians coming against him. Well, let's talk about what we feel and think about the scripture. Shut up. What are you convinced of? What, what is it? What are you so convinced of that you'll pick up the baton and you'll continue what Jesus began and a cloud of witnesses began before us? What is yours in here? That's what he's telling us. What are you willing to die for? Because if you're not willing to die for this, you drop the baton. You just drop it. Okay, last thought. So three weeks ago, there's always a bunch of us from church here who are all of us superhero movie fans. So I wanted to see that latest animated Spider-Verse movie. If you didn't, I gave you three weeks, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I gave you three. I just can't hold off any longer. So, um, I'm watching, I really like the movies. They're very, so visually cool and everything. And, um, and the movie, I started thinking, it's like about an hour and 40 minutes in or something, 30 minutes. I mean, this is getting long. I go, I'm thinking, you know, and I used to direct plays and stuff. I go, I would not have done it this long. They haven't even got to the place where they got to go kill off the evil villain, right? And they're still trying to get a way to get to kill. I'm the, this, how long is this movie? They need to cut off about 20 minutes of this movie. And I'm getting a little bit, my director and me saying, they're wrong, I'm right. You know, because I'm fickle. And then something happens. And I go, oh, that's why there's that moment at the end when Gwen Stacy's standing there and that portal opens into the multiverse 
And you're thinking, okay, they're going to go kill the evil. And then it says, to be continued. <laughs> My son knows I don't like stuff like that. Oh, that's why it went on and on. But that's what we're talking about today. Jesus began it. We pick up the baton with passion. And we are the ones who continue it until the return of Jesus Christ. Series over, Del Campo out. Let's pray. I love saying that, by the way. Let's pray. God, thank you. And I pray for all of us, me, you, all of us. We need passion, guys. Let's get our passion. If you never had it, oh my gosh, it's the greatest. If you've lost it, it's not hard to get it back. Get the fire back. But just know this is what's coming at you. But you finish that lap of your life. You continue this thing. You are Acts chapter 29. So am I. Never forget it. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen. amen. Stand it with me, everybody. i got to get it shot fast. If you need prayer for anything, you might left your right. They'll be praying for whatever you need. Physical offering, drop it at the boxes at the doors there. It's July 4th weekend. Please remember, take time to remember why we have a holiday, okay? Don't forget it. You live in the greatest country in the world. Out loud, real loud. Here we go. I didn't forget. <laughs> Oh, you clap. Okay. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. Have a great fourth. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.